Unlike the group of men huddled around backless chairs near the entrance of the bar, holding court with loud guffaws. Dressed in casual but expensive clothes, they leaned back in the sofas and easy chairs they'd commandeered, sprawling as if they were in their own living rooms. They acted as if they owned the place, and though that wasn't technically true, they did own a sizable portion of the firms that the conference fetter was attending. They were the money representatives of venture capital firms and hedge funds that invested in or loaned money to businesses involved in energy production, and, not coincidentally, manipulated the system to make money on energy futures, directly and indirectly, with little regard for the practical effects. The man at the far end of the table took an unlit cigar out of his mouth and smiled at Fetter. She smiled back. His smile was closer to a leer. Hers had it been anything other than a smile, would have been a sword plunging into his heart than chopping off his head. The man was Jonathan Loop, and he was not only the richest trader there, he was by common agreement one of the most powerful men in the alternative energy business, the original big-swinging dick in the phrase made popular by Tom Wolfe. He could have easily stepped out of Wolfe's novel, with a slight wardrobe change to bring him into modern times. He wore casual though pricey jeans, an Italian wool sports coat, and a thousand-watt smile. Kathy hated him for many reasons, not the least of which was that phony smile. Loop's fund owned pieces of energy plants and firms around the country. It traded energy-related commodities in conjunction with them. Using small firms it had bought or otherwise preempted, Loop was a serious player in the sale of electricity— mostly in the West and South, where the regulations were generally weaker than in the rest of the country. Loop, and a whole host of others, speculated in the market, buying and selling futures and other contracts tied to energy production. These financial instruments were priced without real regard to the underlying value of the fuel or energy. As a practical matter, they tended to add artificially to the price, sometimes wildly. That was bad enough, but Kathy believed Loop went far beyond speculation, actively manipulating the price of his electricity by holding it back at different times and aggressively seeking to put rivals out of business. As far as anyone could tell, he never broke the patchwork of laws governing energy and its sale, but no one would ever say his tactics were fair. Kathy Fetter thought of the speculators as pirates. Loop was the devil himself. But he was a rich devil and one she had to deal with by necessity. Two years before, Loop had loaned $10 million to her company, Icarus Sunworks. In the world of energy generation, $10 million was a relatively small sum. It took billions to build a power plant, and $10 million would not buy enough fuel to keep many plants going for a year. The terms of the loan were not particularly onerous, Icarus paid a nominal interest-only fee each year until it reached certain milestones. At that point, it would have five years to repay the loan, or allow it to be converted to equity according to a complicated formula. The final interest rate was hefty, 23%, but the deal was unarguably better than Icarus or its founder, T. Parker Turhausen, could have gotten from anyone else. At the time of the loan, Icarus was a fledgling company with an interesting idea, to generate electricity in Earth orbit, then beam it down for consumption on Earth. 
Now, Icarus was just a few days from launching its first satellite, proving the concept, and altering the nature of energy generation forever. Not coincidentally, it was right before Kathy Fetter had joined the company. Her work, as much as anyone's, even Turhausen's, had made the satellite possible. But there was one thing that hadn't changed in two years. Icarus was still deeply in need of cash. Turhausen had refused any number of offers, including several from Loop, to sell part of the company. Loop was now offering a new loan in exchange for a series of warrants that would give him a non-voting seat on the company board, a seemingly benign offer, but one Turhausen and Fetter viewed as the proverbial camel's nose in the tent.